Hello and welcome to Letters Home. I'm your host, George Leach. This is episode 17. It's been a while. With all the craziness going on in the world right now, I hope everyone's staying safe and doing all right. Let's jump into some letters. October 7th, 1943. First is a nice postcard of St. Paul's Cathedral. It reads, Dear Mom, Here is one of the most beautiful churches in London. The King and Queen go here for special occasions. I've seen it a number of times. A small part of it was damaged during the Blitz. There are some swell sights here. I only wish all of you could see and enjoy them too. Your son, George. Another postcard was dated the same day. This one shows the hustle and bustle of Piccadilly Circus. There are several cars and buses, including a few of the well-known British double-decker buses. There are also several people on foot. Dear John, I sent one card of Piccadilly home, but this is the other view of it. This is the hot spot of town where all the folks gather. Up the road to the right is where I go to the Red Cross clubs and other places which I will tell you about in the future sometime. Your bro, George. October 14th, 1943. Dear mom, dad, and all. Today was the first time in three weeks that I received a letter from home. And you say that you are not receiving letters from me. Well, I've been writing pretty regular, so don't worry about me because it's just the mail situation. You may not hear from me for a week or two at a time, but you will know that I keep writing so sooner or later my mail will get home. Just don't worry about me because you make me feel blue. I'm just as safe and happy as if I were in the front room listening to the radio. The only thing not to my liking is the latest doings of the communication chiefs who said that we can't get any more days off until this guard duty is over. If they stopped all the days off instead of just the radio men, well, it wouldn't be so bad. Maybe they'll clear it up pretty soon, though. I hope. I received six letters today. One from you, John and Helen. One from Bill Haley. One from Margie. And three from Irene Colbus. She sends me clippings from the news and the free press. Mighty nice of her. Been getting letters regular from Wally. We still haven't met. I hope it won't be too long till we do. Guess what? My watch stopped again. This time, I give up. So as soon as I can find a good box, I'll send it home to you and see if you can get it fixed. So, you bought me a new mattress. I hope I can get used to sleeping on a soft bed again. I won't feel right if the bed isn't hard with lumps in it. Thanks a million for that war bond you bought me. Jimmy says hello to you. He's signed up as a bombardier now. Well, Mom, that's about all for tonight. I'll write Helcha a letter tomorrow. I got a letter from Stan Lutchett. He's still in Louisiana. What's the matter with Johnny? So long for now. And please don't worry, because there's not a thing to worry about. How's that for a closing? Be good. Your son, George. October 22, 1943. Dear Mom, Dad, and all. Hi, everybody. Well, I finally got some mail from home. Two letters in all. One from Helen and one from you, Mom. Boy, it sure was good to hear from you folks. The only thing I didn't adhere to was that you worry when you don't get no mail from me. Just don't worry no more, and we'll all be happy, especially me. As you no doubt noticed, most of the letters that I had written to you were quite old, 
but they all get there sooner or later. Just don't worry. That's all I ask. I also got a letter from Steve and one from Margie. And oh yes, one from Margie and Henry Hincock. I'll answer theirs as soon as I get back from London. Steve wrote a pretty good letter too. While he was writing it, he said he had to watch out for the sergeant. Heck, if I was his sergeant, he'd have it pretty easy. So Steve called from Miami, eh? He's not more than 40 miles from where I was stationed in Florida. I said I was going to London in my preceding words. Well, I'm supposed to go tomorrow night and be there for two days. We weren't getting any days off for a while, so our sergeant fixed it so that we get a two-day pass once every 24 days. That's not a bad deal at all. Of course, we get a little guard duty thrown in now and then, but that don't hurt no one. I got a four-page letter from Wally day before yesterday, but we still haven't been able to meet yet, darn it. But if we keep writing and making plans, one of them is bound to pan out. I know where Wally is stationed now, so maybe next time I get a two-day pass, I'll go see him at his camp if there's not too much red tape to go through. Wally said he wrote to you folks, but he didn't get any answer. I guess he's having trouble with his mail just like we are. Say, I hope Johnny is feeling better now. It seems that John and Paul are taking turns being sick. Anyway, I hope he's recovered by now. I'll write John and Paul a letter upon my return from London. By the way, if I go to London tomorrow, I'll be able to go to the Russian church there. Al said he would go with me. He's Catholic, but I went to his church enough and he was never in ours. I hope his legs hold out. Hey, they aren't going to take Mr. Seventech to the army, are they? Heck, who's going to be the milkman there? Besides, he's my calm. By the way, give my regards to all the Seventechs. Well, it's almost time to eat. Then I go on guard duty, so I'll say so long with love to the family. Be good. Regards to all. Don't work too hard. Your son, George. October 25th, 1943. Dear Yankee and Polly, Hiya, fellows. Guess it's about time I sat down and wrote you a few words. Well, all right. I'm seated, and here goes. Just about half an hour ago, I went to the show, but I didn't stay to see the main feature, which was Tombstone, because I seen it a long time ago. The reason I went was to see a short on Russian dancing. It was good, and I enjoyed it. Say, do you guys ever play the mandolin or shake a leg in the Russian style? So, you're taking the Latin course in school, John. Well, I hope you get down to the brass tracks and really make it worth your while. Have you thought on the subject of what you wanted to be at? I suppose Polly is taking up the English course. Hey, Paul, how you making out with your girlfriends, you old Casanova, you? Taking after your big brother. Ha <laughs> ha, big joke, all laugh. Say, gang, how many homes are they building on Guy Street? Are they building houses out in the field or just up to Eldon? Hey, Johnson, the next time you have the flu, don't spell it F-L-E-W. My, I mean, your bike is seeming to be running around with less every time you write. Just be sure it has a driver in the saddle when it goes tearing down the street. So you want a new bike for Easter, hint, hint. Well, now that we cleared that bike situation, let's talk about something else. Your drawing of the Stukup drive bomber was okay, but over here we call it a JU-88. Now, do you think you could draw a picture of the plane I work on? Namely, the Marauder? Well, fellows, I'm a bit sleepy as usual, so I'll hit the sack. Next time, I won't wait so long to write. Regards to your teachers. Big Brother, George. In the same envelope with this letter, some newspaper clippings were included. This is some cool stuff. Prior to these letters, I knew Gigi worked communications on the B-26 Marauder. 
In his later years, he often wore Marauder hats. However, this letter was the first time he mentioned the plane in these letters. The headline of the article reads, Medium's bomb without seeing one Nazi plane. The subheadline says, Air base near Paris hit third time in month. RAF over Germany. This is the text of the article. For the first time since USAAF bombers began battering Hitler's fortress more than a year ago, American marauders swept into France yesterday without meeting a single enemy aircraft. Not one Nazi fighter came up to challenge the B-26s and their Spitfire escort as the bombers dumped explosives on the German airbase at Evreux-Faville, 45 miles west of Paris. Its third raid in a month. The medium sally into the Paris area following up a night foray by RAF mosquitoes into western Germany put the Allied air offensive once again on a round-the-clock basis. German propaganda raids on England kept up for the seventh successive night with an alert in London shortly after blackout last night, marked by the gunfire in the capital. The sixth raid in a row occurred early yesterday when a small number of raiders flew in over the Kent and Sussex coasts, penetrated to the capital, and dropped bombs at a few points. The complete lack of Nazi fighter opposition suggested that the marauders stabbed at the Paris area, the first blow aimed at the French capital in some days, had caught the Luftwaffe off guard with its planes concentrated elsewhere. All the marauders and their RAF, Dominion, and Allied escorts returned safely, as did the mosquitoes that preceded them. The marauder-spitfire combination has lost only 13 planes and 77 missions over a three-month period. While the B-26s were pounding a roof of other Spitfire squadrons carried out reporting sweeps and destroyed eight enemy aircraft. One Spitfire was lost. With the article, two military-themed comic strips are also included. One shows a pretty restless guy laying in a barracks bed next to a man in uniform. Above them is a guy who looks like he's pretending to fly around like an airplane. The caption reads, Undoubtedly he's nuts. He thinks he's Superman. The other comic strip shows a soldier holding his rifle and bayonet standing proudly in front of what appears to be his commanding officer. Behind the young soldier are three long rows of surrendering enemy troops that he seems to be responsible for. The caption says, Great going, Mahoney. You'll get private first class for this. October 31st, 1943. Dear Mom, Dad, and all. Today is Sunday, so I went to a Catholic church with Al and Charlie. It was kind of funny because church was to be held in a different place. None of us knew where it was, but we thought the other guy did. Finally, we stopped and asked each other where the church was. We all said, I don't know, I was following you. We all got a good laugh out of it. In church, it was pretty crowded. While the guys was playing the organ, I was singing in Russian in an undertone, and Charlie was looking at me with arched eyebrows. The boys get a kick out of me going to a Catholic church with a Russian prayer book. You know what the latest rumors are? Well, they claim we are to get furloughs. Ain't that swell? But I doubt if I can get a train that goes all the way to Detroit. However, we can go to Scotland, and that's where I probably will go. It's a beautiful country, I know. As it always happens at the end of each month, we get paid. So I too went in line and held out my hand and got my 12 pounds. I suppose you know I'll be getting more pounds since I got another stripe, but I don't need so much dough. So, tomorrow I'm going to make out another $35 allotment for you, and it should go into effect in December. Know what? If I was married, I could be getting an extra $37.50. You want me to pick up an English gal? Ha <laughs> ha! Don't worry, Mom. When I get married, I want my mom and dad there. Of course, that includes daughter and kids, but no big affair. Gee, from the way I talked, one would think I'm all set for getting married. Heck, I haven't even got the girl yet. 
but I'm working on that angle. Well, after five straight days and no mail, I got one V-mail letter from June today. Cripes, even Wally didn't write, and he's about three days overdue. Just before I started to write this letter, I came back from Chow, where we had that famous Spam special. We also had cabbage thrown in with a dash of salty potatoes, coffee, bread, and jam. For dessert, we had chocolate pudding with milk and mine. Incidentally, when I made Staff Sergeant, two other boys from my barrack made it, Al and John. Well, we came from Florida to Myrtle Beach together and have gone up the line together. Jimmy was promoted to corporal. We have the radio on now and it's tuned to a German station, but it sure has some nice music on. Well, Mom, I guess this is all for tonight. Give my regards to all. Write soon and be good. Take it easy and don't work too hard. Your son, George. Alright, thoughts about this episode. The main thing that stood out to me this episode was the newspaper article. I always knew Gigi was part of a crew that worked on a B-26 Marauder, but I either wasn't around him enough to get more information about it or just wasn't old enough to ask him or talk to him about it to get more details. Reading an article about one of his missions is just amazing. These articles are really cool, not only because it explains what went on and some of what they did, but also because it gives the locations of where everything happened. I've been to several parts of Europe, so it's especially neat to know he did these things in places that aren't at all far from places I've seen. It also really instills his perspective and the encouraging words he keeps saying to his mom about her worries. He tells her several times not to be worried about him, that her not hearing from him is just a result of the mail system. However, as a parent, it's easy to see why she would be so concerned. Additionally, who knows what the stateside news was showing and saying about the war while he was so far off and unknown to her. During those stretches of not hearing from him, it probably just only added to her apprehension. I was never aware that Gigi went to London so much. I really liked seeing the postcards he sent, especially of Piccadilly Circus. I've been there and it's amazing how similar it all still looks compared to what, how it did during World War II. Apart from a few more advertisements and cars, it's almost identical. Lastly, he's given up on his watch and says he's going to have to send it home. This watch, along with descriptions of his meals and telling his mom not to work too hard, has to be one of the most mentioned things in all of these letters. If you remember, it's first mentioned in episode 2 when he says his watch is keeping perfect time while some of the other boys' watch have gone on the blink. While writing that letter, a crystal popped out and broke. He had it fixed and has given us updates on it a few more times. So while it's nice to hear it mentioned here again, it's sad to hear that it's not working given some issues. I really wish I could see the watch or hear more descriptive details about it. Makes me wonder what exactly it looked like. Was it a gift from a past birthday or Christmas? Maybe it was a name brand we would still recognize today. How long did he keep the watch? Does it make it all the way through World War II with him? Maybe we'll find out more about his watch on the next Letters Home. Letters Home features music by Scott Buckley. Music by Scott Buckley can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au. Thanks for listening and tune in next week to Letters Home.